Welcome to The Journey, an online commentary on today's scripture reading with Seth Davidson. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 23, verses 25 through 24, 3. Then he wrote this letter to the governor. From Claudius Lysias to His Excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by some Jews, and they were about to kill him when I arrived with the troops. When I learned that he was a Roman citizen, I removed him to safety. Then I took him to the high council to try to learn the basis of the accusations against him. I soon discovered the charge was something regarding their religious law, certainly nothing worthy of imprisonment or death. But when I was informed of a plot to kill him, I immediately sent him on to you. I have told his accusers to bring their charges before you. So that night, as ordered, the soldiers took Paul as far as Antipatris. They returned to the fortress the next morning, while they mounted troops took him on to Caesarea. When they arrived at Caesarea, they presented Paul to the letter and the letter to Governor Felix. He read it and then asked Paul what province he was from. Cilicia, Paul answered. I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive, the governor told him. Then the governor ordered him kept in the prison at Herod's headquarters. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer Tertullus to present their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you, but I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. So this passage is continuing Paul's trial process. So the commander has taken Paul first to the Sanhedrin to sort of the Jewish religious court, uh, but can get no traction in understanding the case and as well as is worried about Paul's safety. So Paul takes him to Felix. Felix is the Roman governor who is over sort of Galilee and the surrounding regions. That's where uh, he takes him. Um, and so he sends this letter, as we see, uh, to Governor Felix. He gets him there safely, and Felix is willing to try the case. Well, it's difficult to say exactly how far it is. I'm sure with just a little bit of research, we could find that out. But it seems as if Paul goes about halfway uh, over uh, night and then the rest of the way in a partial day the next day. And five days later, uh, the trial begins. So with a day or so of travel, uh, it takes five days for this trial to happen. And during that time, uh, the religious leaders led by Ananias, they're mounting a case. They, are, they will stop at nothing to present a case that not only condemns Paul, but in their law, we saw this in the life of Jesus, there was nothing in the Jewish law, uh, capital punishment, or, or uh, for someone to, to be punished by death for their crimes wasn't part of the religious law. So they needed to go through the Roman courts for Jesus and also if their goal was to have Paul executed, they needed to come before the Roman courts, which they're trying to do. And so they've taken time and they bring out the big guns. They bring out Tertullus, uh, this polished orator, to try to not only have Paul condemned, but then convicted 
to death. And so this is what's happening in our text today. It made me think about judgment and justice and less so about the court system. They're now trying to do that, I guess, appropriately through the courts, but about how you and I can so quickly become our own judges and pronounce justice that we believe on the people in our lives. We're told not to be judgmental as Christians. <laughs> We're told if there's conflict, not to judge others or their motivations or to enact justice or vengeance. And yet it is so easy to do so. You see, in this text, the religious leaders have passed their own judgment upon Paul even without a trial. They have their own demands for their own view of justice, capital punishment for him. Now, most of us, you and I today, we don't judge or wish uh, death upon those that we disagree with, hopefully. <laughs> but we are prone to judgment, aren't we? We are prone that if we get sideways with someone, we judge that they're wrong, and then we judge their motives. And then we want to seek justice by making their life difficult or triangulating so that others feel the same way about them. And typically, when we become our own judges and when we get our ideas of justice, they tend to be way over the top. They tend to be personal. They tend to be vindictive. They tend to be way over the top. And if we would just go and seek reconciliation or understanding, it would avoid all of those things. And yet that's what happens when we stand in judgment of others. Jesus would say, do not judge, because based upon your own judgment, you will be convicted and condemned. We are not to judge. And yet, how often do we do that? When was the last time you felt wronged by someone? Or when is the last time you disagreed with someone? Or is there a person or group of people that, that there's been conflict that you just know are wrong and so you've allowed judgment to sink into your life and, and maybe bitterness, um, maybe wishing ill of them? And when we get focused like that, when it becomes personal, not only can we not achieve uh, reconciliation, we can't get through those problems. And it becomes us that, if, if you're like me, you can chew on that and, and let that cause uh, a, a shadow to come over your life and your heart. It might even come with feelings of, you know, like a weight upon you, and it may affect the way you react to a person, to those people, or that situation. But you carry it into the rest of your life as well. Jesus' words are true. Don't judge others, because that has its own weight. It has its own consequences, and you can... Uh, get so uh, focused upon the perceived ill that you spill that out on a lot of folks <laughs> and take it over the top. 
Jesus has ways to handle conflict. He says, go to the person personally. He says, if that doesn't work, we'll bring in one other person to try to win them over. This is all Matthew 18 stuff. But these religious leaders, first have made it personal, and then they take it over the top when it could have been so different. It made me think of Acts chapter 5 when the first apostles are coming under heat for the message of Jesus and, and the reactions of the crowd and the religious leaders are coming in over the top. There's one voice, Gamaliel, who's a Pharisee, who's part of that Sanhedrin, who's a trusted person, who has so much wisdom. This is found in Acts chapter 5, verses 38. And he just says this. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If if they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. See, that's the voice of wisdom. The voice that says, I'm going to presume, not presume judgment upon them. I'm going to listen. I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to trust the outcome to God. Um, it's the voice of wisdom that unfortunately it's not that voice that prevailed. It prevailed in the moment in Acts chapter 5. That voice of wisdom isn't going to prevail. I don't know if Gamaliel is there or not. Uh, likely not. We don't know. Um, but let's, let's be people that don't stand in the seat of judgment, that keep short accounts, uh, that don't let the root of bitterness get in. That find a way to love God and honor the people around us. Seek to reconcile relationships and trust God with the results. May this come as encouragement and a challenge to you and I today.